Dude, five goals? Five goals? Like, how is that even professional soccer? Well, the Bank of California Stadium was rocking the 3252. I don't know how you say it. Was tremendous or the 3252 were tremendous. Smoke everywhere. It was an amazing scene. Oh, my God. It looked like the game was being played in like Belgrade or somewhere in Eastern Europe. Yeah, it definitely had excitement, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into uh, grammar with you because I will lose that battle every time. But hey, coming up on the show, we got some really, really great stuff. We're going to chat about what is probably the oddest scene I've ever seen on the field, the Veracruz Tigris game. Uh, and also the fact that El Clasico, the biggest game in the world, is going to be delayed because, well, Catalan doesn't want to be part of Spain anymore. And of course, we're, we're going to talk a lot about that MLS game last night. For once, the MLS showed up and delivered on a promise. But what's also cool is you actually got to sit down and talk with Roger Bennett of Men and Blazers. So let's roll the open and get right in. All right, Sound System FC, our award-winning podcast. Or I mean, it will be soon, I promise. But uh, Lawrence, speaking of guys who are well-known and do win awards and do have a podcast and do talk about soccer, they're basically the British successful version of us. Uh, you get to talk with Roger Bennett, and, and I think that's awesome, man. You ran into him at the, at the Golden State Warriors workout facility? Well, he was there to interview Warriors head coach Steve Kerr in San Francisco at Chase Center for a coming edition of Men and Blazers, the television show on NBC Sports Network. It's coming November the 10th. And Steve Kerr, a big Liverpool fan and had spent some of his youth in Egypt. So he is, you know, uh, attuned to what Mosala has been doing, and he loves what Jurgen Klopp has done as far as creating culture, and it was a really cool conversation. Roger will say that he sees a lot of Pep Guardiola in Steve Kerr, but the best thing about talking with Roger Bennett and uh, his partner Michael Davies, not there for this taping, but when you watch their show or read their book, the Encyclopedia Blazer Tanica, you see that while some of it's tongue-in-cheek, like the refer to themselves as producing the suboptimal guide to soccer, America's sport of the future since 1972. They take this stuff very seriously, share the stories in a way that we hope to as the time goes through. And uh, I- I'll tell you this, it was a real honor to be able to sit and talk with him and pick his brain about what's been going on this year in the Premier League. Roger Bennett from Men in Blazers on NBC Sports Network joining us. And when you think of what Liverpool has done and you see what Man City is trying to do, and and some teams are kind of getting their sea legs. Wolves had a a big victory at Man City, and uh, Everton are finding their way as we go here. I know that's your club. They're they're in the relegation zone. You're very kind. It's uh, It's been a Cleveland Browns of a season. Great hopes, dashed hopes. But this season in particular, what Frank Lampard's doing with young guys at Chelsea, it's an interesting season for people who are watching from afar. It's an amazing season, just the storylines. So many teams in crisis. Getting back to your question about Liverpool, though, that's the most remarkable uh, story. 30 years of desperate longing for a title that used to be theirs by divine right. Something New York Nixie about... um, Manchester United's collapse uh, they, they too uh, surpassed uh, Liverpool knocked them off their perch and it's American owners the Boston Red Sox American owners John Henry uh, Tom Werner Mike Gordon and to me the story from an American perspective is 
these American owners, there's a lot of American owners now in the Premier League. Most of them are in there to take money out of the clubs, to be part of the global game, different reasons. The sophistication of, uh, of the Boston Red Sox owners' approach, their learning curve, they, they struggle to begin with, their ability to think through, bring the best of their approach to the Boston Red Sox renaissance and apply it to Liverpool if, and it's a big if, if Liverpool win the title this season for the first time in 30 long dream-filled years to me it will be even bigger than what they've done with the Red Sox and it will be played out with the world watching and it will be a reminder the storyline that is most fascinating is a remarkable testament to a very sage very data-driven American ownership now we must make note that several years ago fans here in the Bay Area and in San Francisco, got a chance to see Everton in person as the Toffees were taking on Juventus at what was then AT&T Park. Now it's Oracle Park with the San Francisco Giants play as part of that ICC tournament in the uh, preseason. But it was great to see Tim Howard and Everton here doing their thing. When you think of what it's now becoming in the United States to share the stories, you and Michael Davies doing Men in Blazers for many years and uh, doing podcasts and making that a television show. When you think of where it's all going and what you want Men in Blazers to become in the next several years as we go into a new decade of younger fans learning the game what what are some of the things that you guys are thinking about look when i moved here in the 1990s everton god love them made a massive semi-final in the fa cup and it wasn't on television i had to phone my father and have him hold the phone against the radio so i could follow the game along the game has just it's always been the sport of the future we joked it's the sport of the future as it has been since 1972 The future is now. The only thing is, Americans always thought like a a pogo stick or a yo-yo, football will become an overnight success. It's been slow and steady, the growth of football, World Cup to World Cup, almost since 1994 when the World Cup was here. Um, And since then, the growth of the MLS, the success of our women, which has been the greatest thing for the sport, pay the women now. Um, and and, and it, the internet, which allows uh, fans in San Francisco to follow along with Southampton as closely as fans who live in the same zip code as the stadium. EA Sports FIFA, that's sensitized an entire generation to the players, the narrative, the style of playing, the, the Star Wars cantina full of teams. And has really made this deep love well up in America. Um, there's no territory that the Premier League teams and Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, the big European powers care about now more than winning the hearts and minds of this new American fan base. It's so passionate. It's so well informed. It's so committed, the American fan base. Um, We've been working on Men and Blazers since 2010. The World Cup's coming back to the United States. We're sharing it um, with, um, with the other NAFTA territories, Canada, uh, who just destroyed us this week, and Mexico, who destroy us on a regular basis. Um, that 2026 is when the game is going to go next, next, next level, bringing the best players in the world in a World Cup competition in a country that loves sporting circuses. That is going to transform the sport. That's its next time. It's going to, Right now, 18 to 13-year-olds, I think it's the third biggest sport in America. It's for, for young Americans that the, the, the embrace is full-throated, joyous. The emotional discovery is, is one of wonder. 2026, despite the fact men in blazers are holding the game back, we're the worst thing to happen to this sport. Um, we genuinely are the break to its, to its growth. Even we can't stop 2026 putting it over the top. 
Well, we disagree and uh, do think it's so cool that you were able to join us here. And thank you so much. Get their book, listen to their podcast, watch their television show on NBC Sports Network, Men in Blazers. Roger Bennett joining us here on Sound System FC. Thank you so much for being with us. Courage. Speaking of American sports, the MLS playoffs, man, last night's game. God, I uh, I wanted the Galaxy the win. I I have to say, though, this is probably what the MLS wanted. Well, I don't know. The question I have right now is what will LAFC's first El Trafico win be best remembered for? Zlatan's crude gesture exiting the field or Colonel Kurtz in the post-match TV interview not able to hold it together for three questions? Dare we call it Ditka-esque, Bo? I don't know. You know, the game was exciting. Right. But again, I'm going to stick with this idea. First of all, the offsides call or the non offsides call basically sets the table for me. I, I, I am such a huge fan of Zlatan because I think that he has exposed the MLS for its shortcomings. And I think that the MLS was really happy that he lost. They were happy that the game was played because it was such a huge success because tickets were going for over $300 just to get in the door that, you know, it was on big boy ESPN, uh, prime time, and people were watching. But they were like, that's great, but we need LAFC to win. Because if Zlatan wins, it's Zlatan winning. I mean, there's there's great players on, on the Galaxy, but nobody plays defense. It showed with giving up five goals. And, you know, they want, like, LAFC to play Atlanta United. That's really what they want. They want that, that marquee game to show off the fact that, like, you know, here is... MLS talent showing you how the game should be played that they didn't want Zlatan to come in and be like here's a 38 year old European footballer who's going to teach us all how to play soccer well two seasons in it is LAFC's time it's a great story from John Thorrington and what he's done throughout his life in soccer to Bob Bradley uh, providing some sort of culture and, and and you know playing good football you know and, and you, you could take the boy out of New Jersey but can you take the New Jersey out of the boy. I, I have to think this with LAFC, from Tom Penn running the business operations to the ownership group, including one Peter Goober and what they've done to build a stadium there. This is the darling of the MLS because this is the hope for what the MLS can become. Galaxy's defensive problems all year, sure, reared a very ugly head in an El Trafico that uh, LAFC finally won. And it was the most important time to do it because now on Tuesday they will host the Seattle Sounders. We're in the East. On Wednesday, Atlanta United will host FC Toronto. And uh, when the Final Four whittles down, you, Bo, really do like to see LAFC Atlanta as your cup final, huh? I mean, that's really what it's going to be. And I mean, look, I think Toronto's a great team. I think that, you know, if Josie Altidore could magically reappear, they would be an even better team. But, like, they beat a New York FC team that played a terrible game. The goals were scored off of just really, like, middle school-level soccer mistakes. I mean, it was sad to watch that game at, at, a, at a baseball park that didn't even want them there. Like, it was such a mess that, again, I mean, I hate to act like the MLS is like these puppet masters, the league office, but it's like they, they, they must be real happy that their big marquee teams, Seattle, Toronto, you know, Atlanta, and LAFC are the Final Four because it does show off what is the best about 
about the MLS, minus, of course, Zlatan. I wish he could magically now go play for Seattle or somebody else because, to me, he's he's the most incredible player to watch even when he's just standing around, which he also does really well. You know, it's funny. You speak of the City Field hosting the NYCFC game against Toronto FC. On oh. Sunday, the game that the Galaxy won to get to the El Trafico against LAFC was in St. Paul, Minnesota, and... Uh, the field still had Division II college football markers on the field. They had scheduled the Tommy Johnny Classic. And, of course, everyone remembers the <laughs> Tommy Johnny Classic from Great Surgeries Past. Or it's actually uh, St. Thomas versus St. John's uh, schools there. And, and you're kind of like, what, why is the field a football? What is it? I, it almost threw me for a second thinking, were the Chargers playing last night? Wait a second. No, that's in Minneapolis. Like, I, 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 I'm glad to see that some of this is coming into frame with clubs like LAFC who've taken this very seriously and uh, you know we say the 32-52 tremendous because that fan impact last night and the way they've revved it up and kind of the involvement too of like Will Ferrell in the mix too it's real entertainment it was real excitement and now if they are the darlings and then the team that's the defending champs do meet up in the cup final, it should be exciting. That would be set for November the 10th and uh, again, Tuesday and Wednesday, the conference finals. But the story of North American soccer right now brewing in Liga MX and the video of this is like you can't even believe what you're looking at with Tigris and Veracruz this past weekend. I mean, I remember we, we talked on the phone like immediately after this happened and you were like, this is beyond bizarre. Like th there's uh, uh, what's crazy is and you, you actually you can go to our Twitter account at Sound System FC. You can go to the Twitter. You can see this video. It is insane because basically Veracruz protesting the fact that they're saying they haven't been paid some of their players for six months. That guys who work there, you know, the 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 people who work in the stadium are sleeping on mats. You know, it's this terrible financial situation. They decide to protest. They originally say, you know what, we're not going to play the game. And basically the league says, well, if you do that, we're going to just kick you out of the league. So Veracruz says, okay, we won't do that, but we're going we're gonna to have a protest. We are going to stand and not play when the whistle blows for one minute. Then, then they decide, this is where it gets even weirder, they decide, okay, we're going to make that three minutes. And, and they tell Tigris this, the team they're playing. Tigris buys into the first minute, but then after that, I mean, the guy, literally, it's like from like 50 yards out, scores a goal. And then like two minutes later, I felt like, you know, he's kind of ashamed. So the next guy does the exact same thing. I mean, Lawrence, you saw this, you know, Tigris is saying, oh, we were told it was only a minute. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? They certainly knew what they were doing. And when they saw that Veracruz was not playing past that minute that they claim they thought it was as opposed to the three minutes and not standing with your brother's labor solidarity. How could you do this, Tigris? A pox on you. Go cruel Azul coming up this weekend. No, but seriously, Tigris knew exactly what they were doing. But as we unpack a little bit about what these financial difficulties are for Veracruz, that's another fascinating story. The owner moves the team from Michoacan to Veracruz. And as I understand it, it's double contracts that are key to what this issue is, as in one is filed with the Federation in the league and another one is a civil contract with the players, as in, say, a player's salary is $100,000 and 
the one filed with the league and the federation is a $30,000 contract. There's still the 70,000 that's outstanding. This may be more to the point of why no one has a safety net for these players. Their kids are being kicked out of schools because they don't make the payments. The workers are sleeping on mats under the stadium, as we've seen reports about. There's some crazy things going on here, but it really seems like an accounting trick more than anything with these double contracts. But all of this brings up the bigger point. We're talking about MLS before this and a brand new sparkling stadium in Los Angeles and the excitement there. Great soccer is being played in Liga MX, and oh, much, there's a club I mean, where this me, is happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it it is insane. I mean, it it is insane. But I've spent a lot of time in Mexico, and and that's kind of this is kind of indicative of the country. It's like some things run spectacularly. You know, amazing cities, amazing you know organization, and then. You know, kind of towards the end, it gets a little, it gets a little dicey, and like you know, they don't. It's like they don't want Veracruz; they just have to have them. And Veracruz hasn't won a game in in forty matches. Um, you know, the league is just like, well, we're kind of stuck with this team because we really don't have anybody else we can promote. I mean, they can't really promote, you know, Sinaloa, where uh, where you know they basically had to cancel the game a couple of weeks ago because of a gun battle. So, you know. It, it's tough to see these kind of things happen in the league, but I'll tell you what, when it comes right down to soccer, to what's happening on the field, I, this Nicoxa America game, this 2-2 draw, is literally the best soccer game I've seen since maybe Tottenham Man City in the Champions League last year. I mean, this was an exciting game. Playmakers all around. Well, highlights are available on our Instagram and Twitter feeds, at SoundSystemFC, and do subscribe because we will be providing some of the visuals for what we're talking about from time to time. And these highlights are amazing. I mean, this was a tremendous match. Nakaxa has been playing super well this season. And, you know, Club America bringing all kinds of energy to this game. Ochoa making incredible save after incredible save. And just the way the goals were going in when they went in was so impressive. Yeah, I mean, look. Ochoa is a national hero because of what he does on the national team. Now he finally comes back to the league. He comes back to Club America, and he made the plays that they that everybody in the country wants to see him make. I mean, those saves were incredible, but the goals against him were also incredible. The header from, you know, the pass from, you know, 50 yards out off the header, and then, you know, America to tie it up, a bicycle kick. I mean, Henry Martinez with... What is, I mean, he he basically juggles it to himself and kicks in a bicycle kick to tie the game with like five minutes left. I mean, the excitement, the level of play, and that's what's amazing is it's the level of play. It's this street ball-esque, you know, very loose game, but it's being played by super talented players. It's not the the mistakes that you see in other North American leagues that we won't talk about. I mean, this is incredible to watch it's entertaining take the time you know you can find these games you can even find these games with with english commentators if 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 the spanish is a little hard to keep up with uh they're well worth the watch because i guarantee you every game you're gonna get something out of it whether it's a massive protest or uh you know amazing football all right so tigris now at home versus the cement makers bow does tigris 
uh, get spotted two goals by Cruz Azul? I don't think, I mean, no, they're not going to get spotted two goals. But look, I mean, Tigres is, is in fifth place right now, but they still have a game in hand. I mean, they can be at the top of the table with a win. But, you know, Cruz Azul has shown that, that they're out to prove something. I mean, their they're drubbing of America a couple of weeks ago, 5-2, to two, shows that, you know, this team is ready to play too. And, and you know, the table is, is pretty stacked at the top. You know, you got the top 10, 12 teams are all within striking distance of the top of the table. And, and again, it's, it's an exciting league. It's the competitiveness of Bundesliga with the excitement of, you know, the Premier League. It's, it's, it's incredible. But we need to take a break because when we get back, we're going to talk about that Premier League. We're going to talk about Champions League. And we're going to talk about El Clasico because we're not going to get to see it anytime soon. Welcome back to Sound System FC. Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly, and we hit North America hard. Liga MX uh, in full microscope form with uh, what we had seen with uh, Tigris and Veracruz and then that Nacoxa Club America contest. But uh, beyond the MLS playoffs, you're looking at Champions League play right now, Bo, and uh, some great stories brewing in the Premier League, as uh, we had talked about a little bit earlier in the show with Roger Bennett about, but... Uh, I'm feeling a roundup. Here we go. It's the European Soccer Roundup. Yeah, Lawrence, I mean, uh, Champions League is starting to shape up. We've gotten through the first three matches, and, uh, you know, the group stage is pretty exciting, especially that Inter Milan-Dortmund game. You know, Inter Milan 2, Dortmund 0, and I think Dortmund may be the odd man out in their group. Could be, uh, though uh, they are knotted at four points with Milan as as we stand right now. Barcelona leading that Group F. But let, let's go through the table real quick and kind of set the stage here. PSG uh, just, just smashing uh, Klub Brugger uh, in Bruges, coming off a 5-0 win, nine points at the top of uh, Group A. Real Madrid, four points in that group, but... Uh, Gladys Ray and uh, Club Bruges uh, not really participating. Uh, Group B, this was a nice thing to see for uh, Poch. Won the first win in Champions League play as uh, Tottenham got a win. And they, I guess, still trail Bayern Munich by five points on the table, though, in Group B. And let's see what else we got here. A Man City rolling, Bo. Five to one, yeah. a win over Atlanta at uh, the Etihad. So they are they are doing their thing. And then just one more thing to look at quickly here is uh, Group D locked in a good battle. Juventus and Atletico both with seven points. Yeah, but everybody's basically standing out where the top two teams are basically the top two teams you think they should be. The ones that are interesting, you know, it's definitely this Group F. Look, Barcelona is going to be at the top of the table. They're going to go into the next round. You have Inter Milan and Dortmund. Like everybody loves Dortmund, right? They want Dortmund. It's like it's like you know Jurgen Klopp should go back to that team because Dortmund is like Klopp. No matter what they do, everybody's like, oh, I really like that team. I think, oh yeah, oh I'm a Dortmund fan. I see so many like Dortmund hats or shirts or jerseys, and I'm like, have you ever even watched a German soccer league game? I mean, it's 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 hilarious to think how many people love <laughs> Dortmund, but 
God, they're they're not really showing up. I mean, Diego Godin and and Enter just basically, you know, your boy Conti just shut them down. Tactically, they were just superior, and and you know they have to turn around and play that game again next week. And I, there's no way that Dortmund beats Enter. So Dortmund's going to be out. They're going to be in the Europa League. And the other group I'm really interested in is Group H. Oh, you know, I was oh. saying that Chelsea was going to be out, but. I, you know, I, I still see Valencia showing a glimmer of hope, but, uh, you know, what do you see? What did you see that, that, that Chelsea game? Tight, tight race now with both Chelsea and Ajax at six points in the standings. Uh, Valencia, four points on the table thus far. But when you look at what Chelsea did with the young kids taking down Ajax, breaking their home streak. And now, November 5th, they will host Ajax at Stamford Bridge. But uh, Batshuayi off the bench with the game-winning goal. Frank Lampard's side, a young one. But they really are doing what it takes to win, not just in the Premier League, but in situations like this that could be very hostile, playing in the Netherlands against Ajax and getting it done. That was an exciting, exciting game. Is 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 Ajax sponsored by Zippo Lighters? I think the game will be. I think the game will be great. I I'm amazed by Chelsea because, you know, I, I don't know why I had this feeling that Chelsea was just not going to be good this year. Um, I think it was because you know I hate to beat up on on the young American because I think he's a good player, but you know the whole Pulisic storyline. I was like, well, he's not good enough to lead this team, and he's actually not good enough to lead the team but he's not leading the team which is which is why i think they're winning that being said i mean he did make a nice pass in the champions league he did make a nice pass chelsea wins and so i'm going to hold off on my complete teardown of chelsea and christian pulisic until they lose to Ajax next week. All right. Well, that takes us into our discussion about the Premier League. And and, and uh, you look at where it stands right now. Liverpool up six on Man City in points. And now, Bo, hosting Spurs at Anfield this coming weekend. More intrigue. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody was ready to write the Spurs off. Everybody was like, well, this is Liverpool's to win. Everybody loves Liverpool. Um but uh, if they play like they did against Man United, then Spurs are going to win. I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to. Is like you know, they Spurs have basically proven that you know Christian Eriksen doesn't want to be there, but maybe they don't need him. You know, and you know Wang Min's son, if he plays, you know, like he did last year, uh, Harry Kane steps up. You know, these guys will 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 beat Liverpool because Liverpool looked really flat-footed against Man U. Well, that match was real fun to watch. United played so intensely for themselves, for Solskjaer. Uh, Daniel James revving the engine, nearly decapitated uh, once or twice, (laughs) but powering through an inspiring draw for Man United, who now visit Norwich and uh, Temu Puki starting the season hot for the Canaries, but uh, things have cooled. They're at the uh, bottom of the table right now, Norwich. If Manchester United can continue some momentum from that draw that they had with Liverpool and can get on kind of a roll here, maybe some of that uh, OGS out talk will, will, will cool down. Uh, another one to watch, and it's a battle of five and six as it stands right now. Arsenal, um, welcoming Crystal Palace to the end. Yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal is just garbage. I mean, they're they're always a hot mess, but 
I, I don't know how they're going to get through this. And, and I think Crystal Palace basically is better than people are giving them credit for. You know, it's like we always talk about, the, you know, the big six. And then and maybe we talk about Leicester City. But, like, I mean, why can't Crystal Palace? Why not us, right? Why can't Crystal Palace come in and be a sixth-place team in the Premier League? Why can't they be a fifth-place team? Because, honestly, I don't know if Arsenal right now deserves to be in the conversation of, you know, top of the table. A couple others to watch. Wolves at Newcastle, Chelsea at Burnley. And keep your eye on the blades, Bo. Uh, Sheffield United at West Ham after their uh, win over the aforementioned Arsenal Gunners. And uh, let's now move to... La Liga, FC Barcelona with four straight league wins, 19 points atop the table ahead of Real Madrid by a point who has 18. And Madrid, um, oh, man, they lose to your, Mallorca. Your surprising uh, game result, uh, or is it not cannot, surprising? You cannot lose to Mallorca. I mean, I, I, Zidane. I'm going to blame it all on Zidane because I love to blame it on Zidane. Uh, I, I can't see... Where you lose to Majorca, I mean, at least get a draw. I mean, you know, suddenly, you know, they, they in the Champions League game, all is forgotten because, you know, they, they beat basically a Turkish team that has nothing to play for. <laughs> um, and I, I don't get it. You know, he, here we go. I'll break it down real quick. The two bleak Belgians, as I'm going to call them. First of all, Courtois has to be gone. I, I don't know why you get rid of Keller Nevis and you keep Courtois. I mean, I thought Zidane was smarter than that. And... It's proven because PSG is still doing well, but you know Courtois is just not up to the challenge. I mean, you, I, I don't think people understand this losing to Mallorca. It's like if the Patriots were to lose to like a Canadian football team. Like this, this team wasn't even in La Liga last year, right? These guys get promoted, they come up, and and then they beat. You know, and I, I don't care that, that, that bails out with injury. I don't care that, you know, Real Madrid is, is, is deep, way deep. Like, they could field three teams in La Liga if they wanted to. And it's, it's embarrassing. And then, you know, on top of that, part of that Belgian duo I love to, to, to bash, I mean, Hazard, what, I'm, I'm waiting for that to bear some kind of fruit because it's not. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's that much difference between the Premier League and La Liga, but when you look at guys like Hazard, maybe this idea that the Premier League is the best league in Europe and La Liga is second is is completely off base because Hazard should be able to step into a team like that and make a difference, and he's not. He's a pedestrian. He's walking around. He's not participating. And I, I, I just don't see it. I think that, you know, Real Madrid's going to get into the round of 16 in the Champions League, and Zidane's just going to kind of, you know, ghost, you know, just kind of ghost everybody, disappear in the middle of the season, and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll bring out a new coach. I mean, I'd, I'd love to actually see Jose come in and try to do something with that team. I know that uh, anybody who was on that Real Madrid team when he was there, which would be like Sergio Ramos, probably doesn't want to see that. But Zidane's got to go. It's just it's just not getting done. But there are other teams that play, and two of the best teams that play in that league are Atletico and Valencia. And a 1-1 draw, you know, Atletico still has to score. I don't know if they can get over the hump by just basically parking the bus and beating everybody 1-0 or tying everybody 0-0. I mean, 
Simeon was talking, saying that like Costa and Morata know that they have to keep working hard. You know, Joa Felix needs to come back, but I mean, you know, you can't rest the hopes of your team on an 18-year-old, even if he's the next Ronaldo. Uh, but things are looking up for the bats. I mean, Valencia has looked good. They did win the Copa del Rey. They've looked decent in Champions League. You know, if they can steal a, a couple of wins there, they may be, be able to put Ajax out of the group stage. And, you know, they can come through in La Liga and make a splash and be a top four team. Well, you'll have your eyes on the bats this weekend because El Clasico was supposed to be Saturday. And now that's moving to uh, what, December 18th. It was... Uh, Maybe played at Camp right. New, and now you know concerns and 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 rightful concerns uh, regarding protests and the concept here that this is already a clash. Yeah, that you want to talk about people are very you passionate talk about, about, but now but now you're you're moving this. So I guess let's explain why El Clasico is being postponed. You want to talk about a rivalry? Like, look, I grew up in Alabama football fan. Like Alabama, Tennessee, that's a rivalry. Alabama, Auburn, uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, you know. You uh, always Red said Sox, Tennessee Yankees. is this. I, I and I, I never I, quite understood, a, but you're going back to Gene Stallings and uh it's a, it's a, Johnny no, man, Majors it's a, days. It's really? A, it's an age it's an age thing. because right. I'm a little older. Uh now now people my age uh, younger would be like Tennessee's terrible. But back to soccer. Okay, those that's a rivalry, but here's two parts of the country that literally want to separate, all right? Madrid, Real Madrid represents Madrid, the capital, right? And then Barcelona, the Catalans. I mean, they don't even want to speak Spanish. When I was in Barcelona this summer, like, I got along speaking English better than I did Spanish because they only want to speak to you in Catalan. And if you don't speak Catalan, fine, we'll speak English. We're not going to speak Spanish. We're not going to speak the language of those imperials. I mean, it's so crazy to think about the fact that this is such a huge soccer game because everything about these teams is diametrically opposed to each other. It's it's it and and that's why it's such a great rivalry and that's why it's such a great game. But they can't even decide when to play it now. Now they've said, okay, we'll play it on December eighteenth. The league wanted them to play on December fourth. Actually, the league was like, hey, why don't we just move this game to Madrid and then we'll play the next game in Barcelona? And you know, Barcelona would have none of that. And you know, it's interesting when. The last Catalan movement uh, to and these protests formed uh, a couple of years ago. A game against Las Palmas. I remember watching this game. It, nobody was allowed into the stadium because of the protests going on. And so you had a, a very bizarre scene of Barcelona, the world's team, playing against another La Liga team in a completely empty stadium. So it, it is interesting to see, especially in the rest of the world, how sports is directly affected by politics uh, as opposed to this country where we, you know, almost run away from the idea that like these people are human beings that have opinions, that have feelings. And I, to me, that kind of drives the passion of this and drives the passion of the world sport. That being said, you know, I want to see these two teams play, but I guess I'll have to enjoy watching uh, Valencia play Osasuna, which isn't quite El Clasico, but, uh, you know, the winner gets three points, gets them in the hunt. We will eventually see El Clasico, and uh, when we do, we will see 
if Barcelona can finally figure out how to play Griezmann or how not to play Griezmann. And hopefully by then, Real Madrid will have figured out who to play, who not to play, and maybe they'll have replaced Courtois by then. But that's not the only European action. Lawrence, you were getting into that uh, silky smooth Italian Serie A this weekend. Yeah, we should wrap things up with our uh, look at the Serie A as we head into a week with uh, Juventus and Inter leading the league. And uh, last weekend, you know, we had our eyes on uh, Milan and Lecce, a 2-2 draw. Uh, Milan making moves with their manager and uh, a 2-2 draw uh, against Lecce, the result. But now Juventus this week um, visiting Lecce, while Inter and Parma will meet in Milan. But our match to watch is uh, Roma hosting AC Milan, and somehow it all comes back to Berlusconi. Woo, AC Milan, man. The Italian soccer is something to be. I mean, it's 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 insane that okay. So Berlusconi was basically like. I mean, he ran the country. He he wasn't a soccer guy, right? But you know, he was he was this playboy premier, and now he's he's probably what? How old is Berlusconi? Like eighty three? Like he's in his eighties? He's this like questionable, possibly corrupt. Not possibly corrupt. He is corrupt. It's the level of corruption that we can't quite figure out. And now. He's saying that, like, hey, I need to come back to Milan. If Milan will start to win, AC Milan, that is, will start to win if 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 I can come back to the league. And, like, I honestly feel like Serie A is one of the places where they would be like, yeah, you know? I mean, could you imagine if, like, you know, if they were, if, you know, 30 years ago somebody was like, you know what we need to do? We need to bring Richard Nixon back so he can run the Steelers and bring them back to dominance. I mean, it's just so bizarre. And, you, know, you know who it helped more than than that, though? Mesut Ozil. Well, okay, so that's what they really need to do. Uh, but they need that that Berlusconi dirty money to come into AC Milan so they can get Ozil. Because, I mean, look, that guy, again, I don't know what Arsenal's doing. I don't want to jump back into Arsenal's madness and mess. But AC Milan goes and gets a playmaker like that. Um, and I think that'll fix their problems a lot more than bringing one of the world's most corrupt politicians back in the fold running the team. Well, I'll tell you what. I think we've hit as much as we possibly could given that MLS playoffs are rare and we got the Final Four set with uh, LAFC to host the Sounders on Tuesday and then Atlanta against Toronto on Wednesday. Who will be in that cup final? Great talk about Liga MX this week. The European Roundup obviously giving us uh, the Champions League as it stands right now, but some really interesting stories with the other leagues. We didn't really get Bundesliga this time around, but uh, PSG yeah, kind of sits on the Next time around, we'll we'll do better by Germany and France, but 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 this well, we don't time, have to Bo, do better by France. You know, we don't have to do better by France because all that matters is the fact that PSG is still winning, and uh, that's our French soccer report. PSG is still winning, uh, and Mbappe. <laughs> oh man, let's leave it on that. Oh my God, yeah, let's leave it at that. It was so cool to have uh, Roger Bennett join us on on the program. Our, our second I hope he's still uh, listening. voyage out here. So uh, I'll tell you this: for Bo Byerly, I'm Lawrence Scott. 
do visit our Twitter and Instagram accounts as we will update them, we promise, with uh, highlights that are commensurate to what we are talking about here and some great League of MX action. And, yeah, uh, get that money gun video. out. It's, it's really... It's, do, 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 do. it's really... <laughs> you got that that's going all, that's on. That's what we need. <laughs> At Sound System FC. That's what we're talking about. Until next week, Lawrence Scott for Bo Byerly. Thank you for listening to Sound System FC. All set.